0: Welcome to CruxCast, whether you're in your car, at work or at home, we hope you enjoy this interview. And if you do, you can find more like it on cruxinvestor.com, so please subscribe.
1: Hi Matthew, thank you for having me on. Joe Kadravic, CEO of Cobalt Blue, owner of the Broken Hill Cobalt project, a large, long-life, non-African source of battery-ready cobalt in the future. We're a fully ESG compliant project. And we're also, we have a flexible manufacturing strategy allowing us to make both an intermediate product and a highly tailored uh, customer ready product.
0: Joe, good to have you back on. I mean, you're only. Here we back in June, but I think things are moving now. Um, and I'm keen to you know, talk to you about a few things and obviously you'll, you'll tell us a little bit of like, it's an update on what's going on with the company. But if you don't mind, can you help me just un- make, understand where the Cobalt market is at the moment? Um, we're seeing a lot of talk about substitution, which is sort of confusing people. We're seeing price moves. So we, can give us a little update if you don't mind.
1: Sure. No, no problem at all. Um, we're seeing the Cobalt price build nicely. Um, spot at the moment in Asian metal pricing is around 26 to 27 US a pound. Uh, European spots around 25. Um, importantly for us, the sulfate price, the chemical price, uh, trading around 29 dollars a pound. So it's had a quite a material revision in the last six months. Um, in, as important is the effect that the sulfate has on the intermediate product, the MHP, and it's pulling up the payables. Given the amount of cobalt that's now being diverted into Effectively, batteries and the payables on sulphate historically seventy percent average today eighty five to ninety percent, and that's telling us a lot. In terms of futures market, the uh, the CME uh, uh, liquidity on the futures curve is increasing, typically around hundred to one hundred and fifty tons a month out two years. Uh, calendar twenty four has only just been established, so it's not that far away, but already that price is in a very nice contango. So we're seeing twenty nine US a pound for metal price out to 24. Um, more close to home in terms of uh, substitution, we are seeing battery makers locking in effectively their production for the next 3-5 to five years. They've reached a point at which they can no longer defer their security of supply concerns. They have to lock in their cobalt. They're doing that. In parallel, we're seeing some of the think tanks issue guidance on where they see battery technology evolve. and. Um, the ones that we subscribe to, and the ones I think that that, that have the most rigor, tend to be around the fifteen to twenty-five percent mark, as in as what they see to be the non-cobalt cathodes powering EVs by twenty thirty. In other words, uh, today at around twenty percent, it's going to continue that level of penetration to twenty thirty because there just is no substitute for some of the quality that that cobalt brings to
0: that cathode. So you know, so the substitution conversation. Do you, do you think that people need to understand that? There's not enough cobalt f- for the future needs. So, there's lots of use cases for different types of designs of batteries, but fundamentally, cobalt, there isn't enough of it. And these OAMs, these man- car manufacturers, are struggling to get enough of this stuff. Is, is that what you're trying to say?
1: Yeah, look, there's not a single analyst forecast that I've read. If I switch on their bull, sorry, correction, their bear case. That doesn't lead to a disorderly market. In other words, pricing goes beyond any elastic range, and that's simply not going to happen, uh, I believe, without some market adjustment. So, um, what I'm saying is the forecasts are going to get it wrong. I think already the forecasts are leading to a thrifting, uh, a major acceleration towards high nickel cathodes. Um, and I think they're also leading to these discussions whereby. Key OEMs are saying how much non cobalt cathode can I stand within my product portfolio that'll service the needs of that segment. And we're starting to see that with some of the European players earmarking you know, 15, 20% of their portfolio towards an LFP cathode. But notwithstanding all of that, despite the best intentions of the industry, we're still in a very, very tight price market going forward. And I think a lot of the low hanging fruit, the low economic uses of, of, of cobalt will suffer and indeed.
0: Be cannibalised out. So, how, so what are you doing about it? Because if you're saying these guys need three or five years' supply nailed down now, they're not going to go and buy in the spot market, the open market. They need to know where this is coming from. What, what, does, that, what does that? allow you to do as a business? Is that are you? Because we talked in the past about you know, buyers' market, sellers' market, and, and at what point that moves. I mean, are we anywhere near this sellers' market yet?
1: I believe that on a spot basis. I can give you one answer to say it's a tight market, but it's generally within realms of long-term pricing. But on a futures market, the entrant of these new con- uh, customers, these these EV players, these ESS manufacturers, for the first time in the market's history, we've got a major demand um, offtake requiring multiple year structures. Um, so for example, two years ago, uh, we would have been flat out conceiving of offtake partners of duration more than 1 or 2 or 3 years and a fraction of our overall um, considerable cobalt production. Now, um, and I say this slightly tongue-in-cheek, the typical deals are 5 to 10 years and now we're a gigafactory. So there's the new term for cobalt um, offtakers. How much of my gigafactory can you possibly underpin? And the three variables they're looking for are quality, which we're and I'm happy to discuss further with you, we're bending over backwards to understand what the specs are, quantity and quantity rules with respect to the scale of those gigafactories, and price. And price we can only help them so much with in terms of some sort of taper or, or upside protection effect whilst they help us on the low side with respect to our banking needs to get into production. So in a nutshell, the change in dynamic over the last 18 months is incredibly helpful to a new to a greenfield project like us coming into production.
0: Okay, and so, and so the third of those is you scratch our back, we'll scratch yours. We'll we'll give you um, line of sight to the cost component for them, which they was they which they need. Obviously, with, with with the first point, you're saying um, the you're bending over backwards to try and understand the the spec. I mean, surely you must know that it's like ba- battery spec materials. Is it the same for all uh, automotive manufacturers?
1: Yeah, look, at, you can pick on some headline specs that the consultants will publish, um, but you have to understand the details. So, for example, um, today, the average spec would be a 20.8, 20.9, some now hitting 21% cobalt content in the cobalt sulphate crystal. But what's key is what's not in the rump, what's not in that um, the impurities. You can't have electron conducting metals, copper, iron, etc. You can't have acid forming potential in there because they're dealing with some um, metallic stainless or or otherwise processing equipment. You can't have anything that would upset the processing or the end result. So one of the, the very strong outcomes of our current pilot program is to actually understand what it is we can't sell. And if you think about it from a reverse point of view, Therefore, what can we sell at the maximum sales point with the minimum amount of cost? So it's been a tremendous campaign for us to actually understand how we can maximize our margin and be not guaranteed, but have very high confidence we can place that product.
0: Okay, so and, and okay, I'm still so I'm gonna start jumping around your three points here, and I'm gonna go for the second one, which is the which is the sales, the the scale of, of the opportunity and your ability to deliver it. Um one, um, you're going to need to finance this. You're moving from a pilot plant to a demo plant stage, right? That, that, that's where you're at. I know you raised 15 million bucks when we you just we spoke last time back in June, but you're going to need to get a little bit of help. So with, again, with these conversations that you're having now, is that part of the you know back scratching exercise where you think you're going to be able to have conversations with these guys to kind of fund the front end or portions of the front end?
1: I've, I've been involved in a lot of conversations in the last three months with a lot of counterparties in the, the term back scratching wasn't there, but I, I think I know what you mean. Um, this sort of um, uh, symbiotic assistance where we, we need capital and they need product, and, and hopefully we can meet somewhere halfway, is, is absolutely paramount. So, just to give investors a, a, a quick trip down our uh, last few months, we have raised 15 million Aussie. That, in conjunction with some further options that were part of that, if those convert, we're pretty much done all the way to FID not to say we won't selectively look at other opportunities for example M a but that's pretty much us so we've taken the pressure off ourselves to have to come back to you know um, cap in hand to get ourselves into FID so the board has commissioned um, an executive team uh, which I'm leading to go to the market and look at joint venture partners so we announced in earlier this year a uh, a corporate advisory mandate with Cutfield Freeman out of London. They've started that process, and we're now live within the next 12 months. So by one July, um, 2022, to find a partner and help underwrite the project. Your point: Can we get some money in upfront? How can we uh, how can we match the incoming funds with our use of funds beyond this point? Very important. So we may well look at a deal that brings in some money upfront. And then brings in the bulk of the cash when we need it for construction. We also have to then look at the second and third pieces of that puzzle, which are likely to be ancillary debt and then maybe some government agency debt, et cetera. So, our project at 400 million USD, as we've spoken about before, is a third to a quarter of the capital of a similar project of scale that's a polymetallic cobalt mine. So, we're obviously a singular uh, primary focus. But still, the 400 million takes some filling, and so we're looking at it not just from the point of view of who the next partner is, but also who can backstop that partner, which combinations of funders work well together, who can take similar risk profiles, you know, how can we overall lower our cost of capital into that transition, and and really key for shareholders, how do I maximise my NPV per share in the transition from being a developer?
0: Into being a producer. So, what's that moment in time that you think? Look, you're 100 million market cap Aussie, right? Um You're, t- you're talking about a what? What is that? Five, fifty, five, sixty Aussie capex here. People looking at that, going, well, that, that that's a tough one here. You're going to need to deliver a few things for people to go. do You know what? This will be fine you're going to need to deliver some kind of offtake agreement. You're going to have a strategic um, partner or fin- a strategic financial partner or strategic partner in the, in the market. Um, what else? Well, one, do you agree with that? And two, what are the things that you think you need to have lined up and got out of the way to prove to the market this thing's happening?
1: Yeah, look, I, I come back to what I said earlier. So there's a there's a financial underwriting and there's a technical risk underwriting. So what we need to do intrinsically is prove up the process works. We're going to do that with this larger scale demonstration plant. That's a twenty-four-seven continuous flow operation. We're going to be converting three, four thousand ton of feed material, or into three or four thousand kilograms of these product. That product will be dispatched, and that test work will begin with our partners to pre-qualify us. So effectively, we're going to look at product pre-qualification by middle of next year. So point one: can can we make the product? to a spec and can we sell it, I think will be largely de-rest in that time frame. The second one is, you mentioned on, on the financial side. So, w- what we're looking now with this um, these new players in the market is to try and bring in some demand tension for the joint venture side, but importantly, where can we place that material to on a long-dated basis and potentially bring some money in upfront on those contracts because they're very, very high-value contracts. So, the question is, for example, how much deposit or or, or brokerage, if you like, would a large consumer of long-dated cobalt pay up front to to have themselves underpinned for their gigafactory going forward? And when you're talking about such big sales numbers for a project of our size, it doesn't take very much of a multi-billion dollar sales number in terms of that upfront payment to fit very nicely into that. 400 million USD 550 Aussie you talked about.
0: So what's the timing of that because that's that's the kind of comfort point, right? So so what what you're laying out there is it's nothing unconventional. There's nothing um complicated in that. It's what most of technical commodities have to go through the process of pilot plant demo show show that you can deliver it technically. And I do want to come on to back to the scale bit in a moment here, find the right partners and the right mix of financial structured Solution. So nothing untoward there. That feels like you know where you're going. as a question of you know can you tick off those boxes? Yep. Okay. Cool. Right. Let's get back to the scale bit here because um, your you know Broken Hills is, is great, but it's worth about what half a gigafactory. Is that, is that yeah, what you've got yeah. there? Right. We need some scale. Uh, we've talked in the past about waste streams. You've got some big opportunities there up in Queensland. Where we are have, you with that? Where What's happening?
1: Okay. So uh, thank you for asking. So we've commissioned an internal business case, which we announced to the market. So there's three forms of waste streams, just to be clear with investors. There's the mining waste, uh, which we'll get bulk of the time today. There's industrial waste. And then there's spent batteries, if you like, um, recycled batteries going forward. Um, we're involved in all three. I can't be too prescriptive on this on the spent battery side because that's an early initiative which is still sensitive. But suffice to say, we're looking for cobalt units. We're ambivalent to where they come from, but we're looking to create an Australian ethical cobalt brand. With respect to mining waste, um, we've had our first discussion now with a uh, with a keeper, if you like, of, of cobalt waste. Um, and what I'd put to you is what we put to them, and it's actually what I think is a compelling argument. We're more than an IP provider. Yes, we have the IP to take cobalt from that solid, that waste stream, that waste rock, and put in solution. And that's the key to the process that we've talked about. That's a really important key. We do that without any acid do, uh, formation, without acid mess, and we're cleaning up those tails. But importantly, what the Broken Hill Projects taught us is once that cobalt unit is in solution, we can precipitate it out as either an MHP or a sulfate and to a spec that we know is syllable. So secondly, can you add value to that cobalt unit that's in suspension? That's a really big selling point for us. Thirdly is our our expertise as an FS or a feasibility study uh, manager. Can we create a campaign whereby we take test results from a new location and create a, a bankable feasibility study from that? Yes, we can. We've just done it with the Broken Hill project. So we've got the technical expertise to create a bankable case and really importantly, we've just got a $10 million dollar demonstration plant behind me where we can accelerate that test work. So the days of having to farm out test work to a laboratory in one location to another to another, and then hopefully getting enough of a flow sheet together to prove up for a bankable study are gone, we now have a one roof approach. We feed the ore at one end, we get the intermediate or the battery ready product at the other end. So that's the FS. And Then the last point I'll make, um, which absolutely is getting traction with our conversation is, we know how to market that cobalt unit. Once we precipitate it out as a sulphate, for example, the same partners we're dealing with today, the 30-some partners that are already examining our product, our process, um, will be receiving this new uh, cobalt unit made to the same spec. So, we can offer waste stream partners effectively a turnkey approach where well, we can come in at one end and do some low-level uh, initial scoping work, but take that all the way into an FS and ultimately a build. And The final point I'll, I'll make, Matt, is where I get really excited and I talk about an Australian ethical cobalt brand. We're more than happy to take those units of cobalt and co-process them in the future with our own broken hill units from MHP to cobalt sulphate. That gives us economy of scale at the refining end. Refining is all about economy of scale but also means that we can then brand that under the same ethical banner uh, same ESG credentials get the additional kudos and credits available for recycled cobalt in this case and then ship that straight to the same partners we're dealing with today
0: it's it's interesting like i, I used to phrase that you're, you're half a gigafactory but it just makes me th- re- realize the sheer scale of these things that they truly aren't gigafactories anyone's seen a photo um so but, which, 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 you know, I wasn't meant to, I wasn't trying to be rude there, but it, it just says you've got a 20 year plus life of mine, but you're going to need these waste stream components to come through, you know, all, all three. And I hadn't realized that you were kind of getting into the recycling component. Um, maybe one for a conversation for another day to be meaningful to these people. You are going to have to continue to kind of scale up. The market will do what it does in terms of price and you know you'll do what you do in terms of you know lowest quartile producer but it, can you look outside Australia for this growth? you talked a little bit about M; or do you think that with the, with the Queensland um, opportunities it's going to be you know, enough for you?
1: Look in the short term we're looking at MA in terms of new resource so basically unbuilt projects. So mm. we've got our eye on some uh, particular tenements and we're having some discussions and I'll leave it at that. The Queensland ISA waste stream and, and broader waste streams, um, they're quicker to market opportunities. And um, if they're, particularly if they're in a sulphide ore body, we've got all that IP that we have, plus the test, the um, uh, the demonstration plant to prove that up. Um, we're th- our belief is that we can create that Australian ethical cobalt uh, refinery brand. We're in discussions with Um, some partners as to whether that refinery should necessarily be in Broken Hill, should it be in New South Wales, or can it be, um, for example, in Quinana, outside of Perth, where the other battery materials are naturally located. And then there's ability to take that offtake a step further in terms of processing. That doesn't address your your question, which is overseas. Um, We are looking at overseas opportunities, but we're taking them one step at a time we want to prove the IP works on broader sets of minerals, which I think we're going to do in the next six to twelve months. And once we've got that, plus the balance sheet, we'll start looking at expanding this the, the portfolio more broadly than just domestic.
0: So just talk, talk to me about the 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 BHP. Um, so the the Broken Hill um, tenements. There, you know, the other way of doing this is obviously to expand the resource um, upgrade at Broken Hill. Obviously, um, it, what are the plans for that? Is that also on the back foot? Um, have you got enough on your plate? Have you not got enough money to do that? What's the timing of, of that?
1: No, it's it's just about resources and, and focusing those resources. So we have got a very capable geological team and exploration team. Um, their core focus and our core focus remains the bringing into production the Broken oil Cobalt project. So everything else, if you like, is addition to that. It has to be resourced at the moment. We're in the process of firming up some more exploration uh, license footprints. And you'll see in the next few weeks, months, that we've been successful in in garnering further land. Give you some idea when we started the project five years ago, we had 60 kilometres, roughly square kilometres of land. We've now got 220. And I'm aware of at least two more stepping stones forward. Um, We're being very selective in that, in, in just highly prospective land. So we understand or at least we're trying to understand where the cobalt um, seams are in our local district and focusing just on on those opportunities. Importantly, we want to transcend the capital that we're investing from just a singular or or small tenant footprint into a broad district-based refinery. So that supplies cobalt not just for, for 20 years, but for 25 and longer. And at some stage of its evolution takes the 17 and a half thousand ton of sulfate equivalent that we're producing and then ramping that up as well. So your point about earlier about having scale in this business, once you've created a footprint and you've got a quality benchmark behind you and you hit all those ESG target points, the ability to bring incremental size with that credibility is made a lot easier. And that's essentially what we're gonna to bring to the market. As we MA our way through organically or inorganically.
0: Okay, so um, you, you mentioned the fact you've got 30 people looking at your product at the moment. That's a, that's a lot. That must bring some competitive attention to the process because it's a case of I'm not sure it'll be necessarily first come, first serve, because you, you want to make sure they've got the right balance sheet and the, the, the scale of, of, of offtake that you require. And more importantly, for you, as you move from pilot to, to demo and uh, and beyond, the ability to maybe Help you finance that, or at least cornerstone some of the financing for that. So, where are they with that testing process? How long does that go on for? When do you actually start conversations which allow you to, you know, be able to, you know, confidently walk into an FID?
1: Yeah, look, it's a good question. So, there's just over thirty partners have um, either received or about to, if you if you use the phrase, they're on the water. So, the samples should be hitting them shortly. Um, We've already had first feedback on those samples. And the first thing I'll say to you, slightly tongue in cheek, the global battery market knows where Broken Hill is. This is this is certainly causing um, a lot of attention on our project because we're, we're showing our bona fides via our product. Um, and that's important from the commercial acceptance perspective. We've had feedback already about the, the elemental breakdown of those assays. Some of it's very positive. Um, lots of surprise over the high uh, cobalt content, um, very positive feedback on the co-product nickel side. And then uh, the feedback is, well, can we tweak X or Y elements? And I talked about earlier about um, effectively customizing an ideal product for a particular battery maker. Even within a battery making brand, there'll be multiple facilities that take slightly different products. What's the chlorine level, the fluorine level, the iron level, et cetera? So we're actually customising, not just for a battery maker, but for a particular production process. And what's really impressive, and we've had very positive feedback, is we've sent a sample, got got an assay back from the client, had a technical discussion. Three weeks later, we sent them a second sample, which actually hit the mark. And and look, this is a quirky example, but I'll give you a a simple one. Um, Our fluorine levels were, um, fluoride levels were slightly out of spec. Guess what? We used town water to, to wash the sample. Next time we'll use the ionized water. It's really simple. So, that's sort of, um, hey, we're paying attention to your needs. B, we're going to customize it and turn around very quickly to show you we're listening is very impressive in the technical world. That's now leading to the first commercial um, uh, discussions, which at this stage is still awareness, but there's no doubt that this this uh, tailwind that we're in will start to see that morph into serious discussion.
0: So, w- you said you've got enough money to kind of get you through to that FID, right, in, in, in terms of 15 raise and, you know, seemingly warrants coming through, but if you do need to raise capital, is it going to be, I mean, well, first of all, you, you see Intimated, you might or you might, you, 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 you may not, you, you don't know. but. It won't be a lot. I'm just trying to think of the dilution component here, because you know these stories do tend to get out of control as, as people going kind to of work towards that moment. So, I mean, can you genuinely say there's not going to be a lot? Of, there won't be a raise, or if there is, it's not going to be very much. It's just going to kind of get us to that point because we're, yeah, we're look, in enough good conversations at the moment.
1: If I have to raise money for an acquisition that adds real value to the business, I won't apologize for that. There won't be. A I can genuinely say they won't be um, large licks of money. We'll tend to, the, the style of discussion they were having, will tend to bring in that acquisition using uh, some scripts so they can then enjoy watching their, the, the current owners can enjoy watching their um, deposit get, get developed. In terms of our own hard capital needs, look, the, 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 the board may decide middle of next year um, that we might need to raise some money just for working capital needs. But the 15 we've raised, the 11 that's on the table with the options conversion, which is next to August, that makes 26. That gets us through in aggregate. The timing. Hey, if I'm if I'm in the market for a couple of million, um, uh, you know, Q. Two Q three next year because I'm not sure the options will convert etc. Then you'll excuse me for that, but these will be very small. Okay,
0: fine. I I think that's what I did did want to talk about that one because it's it's one of those things where when you've got a very technical product, you've got to get the 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 specs right, the the impurities out of there, uh, and you've got in your case thirty people saying I want this, I want that. Things sometimes can drag on. Sometimes technically. Problems arise, but you were feeling confident about your ability to solve these things technically because you're 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 optimizing and polishing rather than re-engineering the solution.
1: Yeah, look, we've got a thousand operating hours at pilot plant level. Now, I say this in all genuineness. Show me any one of the peer group that's bringing in a cobalt project that's got anywhere near a thousand hours. Now we're about to about convert that into large scale continuous operating hours. So, we know how the plant works. We're very confident in two things. And the way we think about it is firstly, the efficiency of the process, which is what's our reagent consumption, how much energy, how much cobalt am I extracting relative to what I think I can extract? All those are efficiency cost arguments. The other one is the product, the effectiveness. So, can I effectively make the right product? The answer to these on a pilot scale is that everything we've assumed last year in our project update, still holds. Indeed, there's a couple of interesting positives that we we think will, will, will be borne out. And the answer over here on the effectiveness side is um, we've met spec and now we're trying to actually beat that spec to create a premium. So before we talked about pricing, I don't intend to sell product at a 20.5% cobalt benchmark price because I'm actually going to make a superior product to that because I've spent the time to know my customer and my customer wants five, six, seven, eight years of it. So it's in my interest to make the right product.
0: So when you get to this so, F- FID point, Joe, um, uh, h- how do you phase that money? Because you you've talked about, well, whether you look at you know, 400 US, 550, 60 Aussie, how quickly do you need? Do you need all of that upfront to kind of get this thing built out, or is it a phased approach? And I'm trying to work out how difficult or how much it's going to be, or how much you've got to give away to be able to get that money um, you know, on the table.
1: Trying to do at the moment is is look at um, a joint venture uh, a, a arrangement whereby we're forward selling some of the value in the project today. Um, so that's a scriptless capital raise, and that's very positive for shareholders. Um, and we're trying to create as much value in that price as we can. And the 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 style of arrangement is a very fair one. So, you'd bring a partner in at a PFS level of certainty with PFS economics, but you'd say, hey, let's assume the economics of this, but let's wait until we deliver the bankable study with a much tighter plus or minus 15% level of certainty before we actually cut the final economics and make any adjustments thereof. So, you're not taking any risk between today's um, PFS and tomorrow's final bankable study. So, that's the, that's the first point I'll make. Secondly, we're looking for partners that um share competencies in terms of their lending or funding ability. So if we found a national champion partner who may be a strategic off-taker for us as well, we're looking to work with that national champions export credit facility or, or, or government agency. And there are large volumes of money which are w- which are willing to be pointed at supporting national industries. Low coupon, national debt, long-dated tenure, 10, 15-year tenure typical. So what we're trying to do is get the first and second bit of funding in the in, in the tent. Once we have those, the partner slash off taker, the national bank, Australia has a reciprocal banking arrangement as well. We can bring in some EFA debt on that. And that's even before you talk about government assistance broadly in the critical mineral space. And there's some really interesting background in, in Australia in particular, but globally. With how governments want to assist these projects going up, so without going into the mechanics or the specifics of how we're going to fill a four hundred million dollar um, hole, suffice to say we're thinking about the whole, uh, the, the, the entirety of that need today, but we're thinking about the key strategic funds we need, so that we end up at a point where today's shareholders, if I go back to the MPV per share, has the minimum dilution, or indeed. Potentially accretion because remembering by the time we get to that point, the de risk value of what we've got ahead of us is a far more materially, you know, um, a greater prize. So I'm hoping to surprise shareholders very pleasantly with how we're thinking about it and ultimately executing that transition.
0: Remind me about what's going on with the Honeywell MOU.
1: Yeah. So we signed an MOU with Honeywell um, a few months ago. They're a leading. Um, Um, uh, data and um, uh, a process control business. They're a world-class American company. Um, Why that's important, and I'm often asked, well, why are you making a big deal of it? Two reasons. One is when you sell a project, you think about it, you're actually selling the data around the project. Your ability to capture data, our ability to say, well, this is what our costs are here. And importantly, in the metallurgical process, this is our capital cost, but here are our operating costs. Here's how much energy much reagent I'm spending on different types of geology, different types of run, different types of products, and that gives the end um, partner a lot of a lot of confidence. The other key one, and this is absolutely critical, once you set up the, the, um, uh, the that information system, you can actually start training your operators for the future commercial plant. So once we set up a commercial uh, a demonstration scale plant, which is twenty four seven. 3,000 tonne a year plant, we can easily then start to train and create almost like a flight simulator type environment, a, a training simulator, to get our train get our operators trained up during that transition from FS into construction and build. I'll put this statistic to you: somewhere near half of the downtime required to go from build, commission and into sorry commission into operation. Is due to operator error, operator training. What we want to do is materially compress that, because we have those guys trained today. And remember, a plant is a thousand bits of different equipment all trying to talk to each other through a central control system, and that's what we're trying to address.
0: Interesting. Interesting. Okay. Well, I guess we'll we'll see see more of them further down the line. Um, (coughs) just one more one more on um. The, the, I'm just I'm just fascinated by the contracting process and the people involved and, and and that structure and so forth. So, with regards to what you currently think your production could be, how much of that do you? And I guess it's part of the discussion negotiations. But just humor me, how much of that is going to be? Contract, how much do you think should be spot? And do you do more of the contract at the beginning because you need that certainty? Your partners need that certainty. And then eventually, with say, waste streams, etc., you maybe rely on the spot market a bit more to see if you can affect more margin.
1: Look, firstly, I'd say to you that the quality of counterparties we're dealing with now are world class. They're your iconic brands, both battery makers and in customers. So, um, in my mind, and in the board's mind, our ability to contract out to a singular or maybe two of these counterparties up to 100%, that's de-risked. These guys are AA, some of them are AAA corporate credits. They actually help us uh, in terms of their credit worthiness to get the funding across the line. So first and foremost, the the focus of this project in the near term on one or two partners, not an issue. Um, Then it's, I guess, the question of pricing. Do we fix? Do we Look, that's a really good question. And there's a very clear um, uh, dynamic here where I've got shareholders who want the upside. I want a bank who can't take the downside. So we're going to have to cre- create some outcomes there that work. So at the moment, we're working on creating the maximum equity pie we can keep in that funding without it being too dilutive or indeed dilutive to any degree. Um, and then, secondly, how do we structure a deal between counterparties? It effectively gives them some comfort in a disorderly market, but also gives us some downside protection effectively for the banks, and that's going to be the critical piece.
0: Well, you also need a little bit of sex and sizzle, that's why I kind of segmented between you know, broken hill contract 100% guaranteed de rest waste streams if you get that thing going, then and selling into you know, at market that could be the sex and the sizzle. that could be you know in people's minds the perception of being able to you know look at getting increased margins as depending on what what the market's doing. so it gives you that flexibility because investors want growth stories right they want growth stories yeah. M;A is expensive. MA can be expensive so I should say. Um, whereas if you're looking at the the construct of your kind of portfolio of production, you need to show that you need to show that growth component, and I, I just wondered how you're thinking about it. And it's early days, but again, like I say, just yeah. Look, humour me.
1: Um, what I would say to you is this: so, um, firstly, today's spot price at around twenty six, twenty seven compares to our all-in sustain to make the sulfate. So this is the metal pricing equivalent a battery product of around twelve dollars. We're making a fantastic margin today. Now. The sulfate's trading at 29 a pound today. And so, therefore, there's a clear premium. But if you think about the futures market, the futures market at 24, uh, to calendar year 24 is already at 29, knocking on 30 bucks. If I had a premium to the sulfate, I could comfortably conceive today, looking forward at a $31, $32 sulfate price, every $2.50, and I'm sorry for the number, but I think of $10 increments in pound in quarters, every $2.50 is 28%. Upside in my post-tax MPV. The transition to go where we think the price will be longer term, around 27 bucks, to a 32, 33 dollar sulfate, you're going to add 50, 60 percent of my MPV just in that transition. So the leverage is um, is significant. As one of my shareholders said the other day, we're a white knuckle ride on the on the cobalt roller coaster. And so you'll get that leverage on the way up. In terms of margin for the next. Um, Project, the Cobalt Waste Stream, if I can make an all in sustain around $12 for what's in the resource in Broken Hill, I should be able to make that sub $10 if it's already at surface pre crushed as a tail stream to a similar product. So my leverage by virtue of that margin will actually increase materially with, with a Waste Streams product. Even more importantly, and I'm sorry to bore you with detail, the EU Parliament in October will be voting. Um, under some new legislation which looks at minimum recycled metal limits within EV batteries. So the, the legislation says that by 2030, in cobalt terms, a minimum of 12% of the cobalt in that battery has to come from a recycled source. In other words, a source that has prevented that cobalt going to landfill. Most of the market is putting their ears back on black mass recycled batteries, and that's 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 fair enough. But we think cobalt and waste streams a tremendous opportunity with very large-scale um, uh, available tonnage to put those units into those uh, into that particular jurisdiction and create a premium to that price already. I think what you'll see is nickel, cobalt, lithium, recycled credit markets start to lift. We're already starting to see some discussion in the markets, but I think in two or three years, as we hit these hard limits you'll start to see certificates and premiums attached to those metal units that come from recycled origins
0: oh yeah no the e- e- eu is hammering these these uh, car manufacturers and they're having to react a lot quicker than they used to it used to say, you know, you say go a while to kind of introduce new technology, et cetera. They need to be running and running really hard right now. So it's kind of fascinating. But again, maybe a discussion for, um, for another day. Well, look, Jay, I appreciate the, the update here. Exciting times ahead. You're moving things forward. Um, Stand in touch. Let's know how you get on, OK?
1: Yeah, no problem. Look, I should have a, a, an interesting set of updates later in the year. Firstly, on our waste streams program, which we look to have some test work starting by Christmas. But also an update on our demonstration plant um, transition and getting ready, excitingly, to make real uh, scale of, of sample for our, for our partners.
0: Thank you for listening. If you've enjoyed the interview, why not subscribe to Cruxcast or our website, cruxinvestor.com, and of course, our YouTube channel, Crux Investor. Plus, you can catch us most days on Twitter and LinkedIn. We really love getting your feedback, so please keep it coming, and we'll speak to you again soon.